Alexa, what is the best podcast in the land? Here's pulling back the curtain podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. On today's show, we pull back the curtain on overcoming the poverty mindset and so much more. Go ahead and kick us off, Chris. It's been so much that have gone down, man, in this world since the last time we got on these microphones. So, uh, audience, we got a lot to say. How are you doing, bro? I'm blessed, man. I can't complain at all. Um, how you holding up? You've had a hectic week. Man, bro, every week. <laughs> I, you know, it's crazy, right? So, you know, I went on a cruise with my moms and it was that late December. And, bro, that shit felt like it was a year ago. Because as soon as I got back, man, and started this new year, 2024, I've been all over the place, bro. And this week alone, I've been in four different states. And just this week. Man. <laughs> Your boy over here, man, I don't know how I'm still over here with all this energy. People sit up here and talk about age. Hey, that shit ain't nothing but a number, boy, because I will still outrun any of you young motherfuckers out here in these streets. Yeah, you run for sure. I had a I had a cat the other day, bro, in the program, Jay. He was like, he's like, man, y'all old heads, man. Y'all don't, y'all don't get it. I'm like, listen, I ain't, I ain't gonna take too many more of your, your old heads, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh hey, that's funny. I can't even I, yeah, nah. I, the old head is like a it's a frame of mind for sure. What you say, AJ, nothing but a number, but I got an old head mentality with a lot of things, man. It's not even, it's not even like a, it's not derogatory to me. You know what I'm saying? It's really just a, you don't think about things the way, I feel like there's such a gap in how like generationally people are moving. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they, we are clearly in a, a new era of just everything when it comes to how people interact with each other, to how people complete work all types of stuff and so i don't know because you might be an old head man but it's not oh, you know, listen 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 <laughs> i've always been an old soul but i'm not accepting that old head thing i i think for me i still got about five more years in time in that territory no, I'm, I'm not gonna throw your age out there i just five years would make sense i guess i appreciate that you you, you're a gentleman and a scholar you're a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> but, but no man everything's good over here what, what would you thinking about that super bowl man because i ain't gonna lie to you i don't know that shit was kind of mad boring to me man until like the second half of the game Chris, i appreciated the. it was a good defensive game to me it was a good game of football and, and especially because to stop mahomes is damn near a feat in and of itself to me you know what i'm saying and they they were shutting him down for a large majority of the game. I see that their uh, defensive coordinator is taking a lot of heat right now for, you know, it's him. He's the one that dropped the ball or whatever. But that's crazy as hell to me because they held Mahomes to, what, 25 and five quarters? And that, that yeah. means really not even getting a touchdown a quarter? I, I mean, shit, what more can you do? Like, mm-hmm. So – I, I thought it was a good game of football, but I understand it not being the appealing Super Bowl game. Like I, the Ravens Lions would have been way been, more fun to watch. Been that been shit would have been busting. So I get that, but I enjoyed the game personally. So, like I said, in, in the first half, I was kind of like, "Wake me up when this shit's done." 
But the second half, you know, we had a little bit more life to it. To the point that you made about what the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator was able to do, not enough people are talking about that. I thought he did a really good job. His game plan against Mahomes in that first half, the Chiefs were frustrated. Man, you saw Kelsey out there fucking yelling and pushing Andy Reid. Mahomes was frustrated. They were getting all these penalties. That defensive coordinator did a really good job, and then he gets fired. It's crazy, man. Um, Somebody has to take the blame for that that 49 because you know they they literally assembled a team over there they've taken bits and pieces of stars from all other divisions mm-hmm. brought them out there so like somebody got to take the fall for it and i get that part but i definitely don't think it was the d i mean y'all, they didn't put no points on the board they didn't they weren't punching the ball it was only, it was only 25 points like what are we doing you know what i'm saying so it's like what where where does what's his name kyle shannon kyle, kyle shanahan where did he take? Where where is his accountability? Where are we holding Brock Purdy accountable? Like who talk about who it? Good. Ever debate what Cam said about him being a game manager? You know he didn't, and I was he had some plays that were bigger plays. I was like, okay, I see you, but like he didn't deliver, and he it, showed he 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 backed up everything Cam said about him. every single word. And Cam won hate. I know a lot of people talking about some Cam Newton hating. How MVP gonna hate on the cat as a game manager? Yeah, that this is a fact. A look fact. at the, look at look at the tape. Cam Newton was carrying cats, man. Brock Purdy yeah. had a team that was set up to win a Super Bowl, and he did not get the job done. I don't care what nobody said. I don't care what nobody said. And miss me with that, Mister. What they kept saying about Mister. Because uh, he was Mister Relevant. He was the last player drafted. Yeah. Listen, man. Anybody in the NFL, if you make it to that level, you belong there. Stop talking about that shit. Nah, this cast sure. of this cast that have made it to the NFL that was undrafted, and they they beast right. So it's like I don't care about all that. Stop. It's cute, but like stop. So what was the energy like in the stadium? Oh, that shit was buzzing, bro. So I'll tell you one thing, man. The first half it was kind of quiet. It was kind of quiet, right? But then every time they would put. Taylor on the uh, on the on the uh, screen, you know, people would get lit about that. But it was so much star power out there, bro. Hope was there, you know. Beyonce was there. Your boy Bieber was there. It was so many people there, bro. It was like I'm running into people like left and right. I'm sitting up here like, hey, you know how it goes, man. In my space, you know, you you run into stars and people on that level. So it gets to the point where you're just like, oh yeah, that was such and such, you know. It don't even move you anymore. Just like, right. I mean, you know, you know this from living in LA, bro. You used to run into celebrities all the time. Probably got to the point where you like, oh, okay, such such over there. It was nothing. Man, it's LA. It's Howard. It's shit. Growing up in Chicago with some motherfuckers that have gotten famous, like famous people, really, you know, it's cool, I guess. But like, because I, I, I'm, I don't get the whole. I want to be around famous people. They're just, they're people. And they're people, people living their life in whatever setting that you're around in their life. So then they're, they're not thinking about you. It, man, it's that Dave Chappelle joke, bro, where he he wrapped it up and he, he was like, it, it's really about who's the biggest dreamer at the time. And sometimes you got to be humble enough to be in somebody else's dream because it's just that big a deal to them. You know what I'm saying? So like yep. some folks will be in the club with uh, shit. I don't know. Let's say Jay-Z. And motherfuckers gonna tell the story the next day, like, oh yeah, I was in the club with Jay Z, we was popping bottles, da 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 da. da. The whole time, Jay Z looking at like, why is this dude staring at me at the other section? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's you know, 
I, I implore people to not never be a fan, even as much of a fan as you might be. If you ever meet somebody in person, don't fan out. You know what I'm saying? Give them their respect yeah. always. Give them their just due for enjoying whatever their their craft or whatever it is that they have become famous for. But don't don't fan out. I, I see so many people, bro, like just fucking fold in those moments, bro. And I'm sitting up here looking. I'm like, and I mean, we have had celebrities in our family. So for me, like you said, that shit don't really move me anyway, because like I'm more of about how the person is as a person, less about like their celebrity and their fame. So I be seeing how people be moving with these cats, and I'm like, bro, you getting clown, man? You trying to put somebody in your story? They don't want to be out there. Like, don't be putting bullfucks on on the spot. They trying to be low key. They don't want people to know where they kicking it at. You over here talking about some, man? Let's get this story. No, stop. Yeah, man. I don't like that. I don't like that fanboy, fangirl stuff. So y'all need to stop out here. And now I'm down here All Star Weekend this week, Jay. And you know how All Star Weekend is. It's all it is is Cloud City. So I'm trying to I'm trying to basically filter through all of that shit and just get to the work. It's so funny when when Chicago had the All Star game. What was that three four years ago? Right before COVID hit. Yeah, 2020, bro. Yep. I was trying to throw a party, and you know I, I was finding different people to partner with and like the whole common theme was well who's gonna bring the celebs like we gotta have celebs in the spot just to get people there so like to your point about it being clout city and just a whole that that that's the whole aura of what the weekend is folks just want to be around they want to be around they, they just want to be there half yeah. these motherfuckers ain't got tickets for the game half these motherfuckers ain't going to none of these parties they just want to be here and it's, to the, it's so funny that so you were talking about the Chappelle thing, because that's how these cats are. They'll go back home, and they'll be like, man, I was at Michael Jordan party. No, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, literally, just saw, I saw the line of people going into Michael Jordan's party, so I was there. <laughs> no yeah, <laughs> you was outside. Hey, man. And you, at the end of the day, you got to let, let people live in their delusion. But it just bothers me, Jay, because you know how I am, man. I'm like, I don't really be fooling with what people got going on. Just don't bring that foolishness to me. That's all. Now, if you over there with that, cool. Don't come to me because I do, bro. I be getting people and they forget that I'm covering all this stuff, that I got a whole fucking company over here. And my friends will come up to me talking about so, yeah, man. So the company that I work with, man, they had uh, Donald Faison came to my job today. And then they look at my face and I don't be saying nothing. They be like, you, you heard what I said? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, well, yeah, I know he had that little show. That was cool. I'm like, what I care? <laughs> and I'm not trying to be an asshole. I mean, like, yeah, great. He's famous, but I'm like, I don't care. Like, I'm around these folks all day long. For me, it's just the work. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to be friends with these folks. And they ain't trying to fuck with me either. Hey, wait, and that's the... It- they not thinking about me. I'm not thinking about them. 100%. But, Jay, you know what? I got to ask you, man, because there's been so much debate about the Super Bowl and stuff, right? So we, I know we jumped ahead to the All-Star game. But I got to get back to the Super Bowl for a second. First, first thing first, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid. Was you rocking with how Travis Kelsey was, like, kind of moving in that moment? Did you understand that? Because, I mean, you played sports. I played sports. So we know that, you know, the competitive – balance gets you know maybe to your head a little bit but what was your thoughts there with that one and what in what era or age can you ever put your hands on your coach i don't care how mm. passionate of a a moment it is and poor old andy andy has damn near 70 
You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> he's going to knock his old ass down and he's not going to get back up. I was, that was <laughs> that was crazy to me. I'm uh, And I saw some players tweeting, like, you know, if that was me, woo, 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 woo. And it's like, yeah, you're not lying. But, you know. Yeah, I saw, I saw Tyreek Hill. He had some smoke. He's like, and also uh, AJ Brown. He was like, I, was say, what was that? Tyreek? I saw AJ Brown's tweet. Yeah, but but shit, but but Tyreek he doubled down on. What he say? Well, he just basically like, well, imagine if I'd have done that when I was there. Wouldn't even been a question. So it's like, and but you know, Kelsey has way more leeway with the whole Taylor Swift thing too. Mm-hmm. In my from the outside looking in, shit, I don't know anything, but well, he got a pass. That nobody talked about that shit. Let that have been somebody else. They still be talking about that right now. What if they lost? Ooh, that might be different. If but, they lost, it probably would have been very different. But they won. But still, even in a victory, let that have been somebody else. And all this, I'm not being cute about it. And let that have been an African American ball player that done that shit. Let that have been Antonio Brown. You were talking about Antonio Brown before we jumped on him. Let AB have done some shit like that. It'd have been the end of the world. Remember when they won with the Bucks and let him have done that trying to get the football? Because I'm sure that's all Kelsey was worried about. I want the ball. But you you heard it, right? Travis Kelsey is the one that popularized the fade. You 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 saw the New York Times put that out there. I saw that nonsense. So, you know, he he's just a he's a trailblazer. He out here getting fades and punching on coaches. I don't know. It's a I saw that nonsense. And fucking like, country. I'm like they 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 take anything and everything. They're taking shit for fucking centuries. At least he at least he cleared the air about it. And, and his response to me was pretty funny. I know some people had a problem like, oh, why you bring? But like, not nah, literally. How you gonna bring that up? And this Black History Month, y'all crazy as hell. I had people texting me on the low, calling him Mister Pfizer and shit. I'm like, y'all don't need to stop with that shit. Pfizer's crazy. <laughs> Well, okay, so I would say my opinion on that situation is a little different, Jay. I had coaches in high school, you know, when I played football, they used to put hands on us and shit like that. And honestly, at that time of life, man, that shit used to low-key have me heated. But, you know, you took it. But I don't know, as a grown-ass man, I don't know if I'd have moved like Kelsey. But let's say if the coach would have put his hands on me in that manner, I don't think I would have been – I would. I don't know if I'd have been able to have the restraint that I had as a teenager when that shit used to happen. So I think that his levels to those type of situations, I wouldn't have moved had Kelsey moved. But if my coach would have been aggressive towards me, I think I would have maybe done something bad. I thought so it was just about him ha- having him taken out the play. Yeah, and... he was taking out the play. Because he, he told – basically the way that he said it in the presser when we asked about it, he said he took Kelsey out because he thought that Kelsey was a little overworked because of the moment, the situation, he wanted him to calm down. And I guess apparently what Kelsey said, this was through a couple of different back channels, he basically said that I'm fucking calm now. Put me in the motherfucking game. That's the quote. To to the point of they're grown men. I don't even see we not, and it's from what I see, but I don't see coaches putting their hands on professional athletes. The professional athletes aren't going for that. You know that's what, what I'm, I'm saying? saying. In mm-hmm. any realm. So it's like But coaches, that's why I was that was what my point of saying is like coaches got away with that shit back in the day. They don't get away with that now. In fact, the players are the ones now that are out of pocket. <laughs> in my opinion. They got too much power. It's a lot of yeah. power players have. But though, in that moment, I thought Kelsey was doing too much. I mean, you, you got to think about it. He's got his girl up there in the suites. He want to put on for her. He want to put on for the city. He want to, you know what I'm saying? He wants to play well. I'm sure he got all kind of pressure in his head and he lost his cool. 
But he wasn't the only one because Mahomes was frustrated, like I said earlier. That Chiefs team was having all those penalties that was uncharacteristic. So I just think that the 49ers did a really good job of frustrating them in that first half. They just, you know, took their foot off the gas, which mm-hmm. is a known thing with Kyle Shanahan and his teams. I mean, remember when he was with the Falcons? They let Brady come back. Yeah, and and wasn't that like a 21-point comeback? It was like 28, I thought. 28, yeah, it was something crazy. <laughs> so that's embarrassing. Um, yeah, I it is it is a characteristic of his at this point. And I don't because they took that. It was just, and that's why I thought it was a good game. I can't even say they took their foot off the gas as much as that. They just didn't stay as mentally locked in as they needed to. You know, it was just, it seemed like a couple of plays, a couple of key plays were like the difference makers. But outside of it, it seemed like both teams were playing damn near a perfect game on the defensive side of the ball. Um, You know what the problem was for me? They should have given the ball to Kishan McCaffrey more. Like, I'm not saying that he was like having like the, the game of his life. But, bro, you saw when he was rattling off seven, eight yard runs. Keep that shit going. Yeah. He's a, I thought they could have done a better job with that. They were also trying to force the ball to Debo a little bit, and Debo was hurt out there. Eh, what are we doing? Debo's hurt, and McCaffrey's literally the best running back in the NFL. Thank you. Come on now. Ride it to the wheels, fall off. And stop trying to run him outside. They were gashing him up the middle. Why'd y'all stop that? So that's what I'm saying. There's certain things I'm looking at with this guy, and I'm like, you had something cooking early in that game. And then you went away from it. And, and then you slid to the parade. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I've been all over this place. All over this place, man. Now in Indy. <laughs> they like, man, that boy, they like, what kind of uh, freaking flyer miles you got? Shit, the best. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you Would fly you, Like, Preferred is uh, American. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they got the best, like, uh, and no free advertising, but they got the best little setup as far as you know, people that you know move around a little bit. The first class situation is nice. That's how that's how I'm rolling out here. Fuck you, coach motherfuckers. Always Get your weight up. Yeah, I'm I am a coach motherfucker, so <laughs> right back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you probably like row seven with yours though. Nah, see, I'm a southwest guy. I choose my own seat. Oh, well, you know what? I got a southwest <laughs> hack. When we get done with this, I got a southwest hack for you. <laughs> Me yep, I'll, I'll text you about that when we get off here. And before we move on to some listener letters, man, I have to ask you, was you rocking with the Super Bowl show or not? God's going to get my way out of that. Um, oh, no, you did not get your way out of that. Er, sure. So let me get you a couple. The man has hits. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was enjoying the – he, I, w- I was enjoying the show that he was putting on. Um, I didn't really like the Michael thing that he was doing with the glove, and it, it, that threw me off. I also didn't like how people were trying to say that this was the best Super Bowl performance ever. Because after that, I went and looked up Michael's halftime performance from '93 here or '94. That shit is insane, Chris. That shit is insane. Insane. He has a moment where he's just standing for like three to four minutes and just standing there, and folks are screaming, and you know what he was doing. So, and his 
his show had a real message. He was really spreading love and unity in the show. And like, we don't see shit like that anymore. You know what I'm saying? So like, it, it wasn't the best Super Bowl perform halftime performance ever. It was a cool show. I think he did a good job of uh, showcasing a Vegas-style show in Vegas and also paying homage to Atlanta culture. I thought that was decent. Um, yeah, I like that, man, when he started rolling around with the roller skates. I was like, I see you out here, ATL style. You know what I'm saying? Brought Lil John out. Brought Alicia Keys out. I thought he was a little extra with Alicia. You know, you're going to pull up on my wife like that, bro. Hey, man, it's show business. And, and I don't care. That's, going that's how, that, that, that was extra, bro. That's how he got it. Hey, did you see? Oh, well, yeah, you're in line. Because of... <laughs> you Shit, you can't even. Ooh, that's the game. Hey. And we know Swiss was married when Alicia got him. That's my point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, Usher's hands, though, I ain't going to lie to you. I'm watching this thing, and I'm looking at the guy next to me. I'm like, his hands almost touch something. I'm like, I know that things are a little different in showbiz, but I'm like, I'm just a kid from Chicago. <laughs> All I know is what I know. That ain't going. Yeah, and shit, not my wife, but also, I mean, What was really finna happen? It wasn't like she was about to go back with Usher. It was I it wasn't even his hand. It was really her face that did it. It was the way she smiled, bruh. This wasn't that wasn't the rehearsed show move. You know what I'm, I'm saying? Sure it was. That was some him doing some extra shit. So and that, she smiled and she smiled like she did that you don't know my name video. And I was like, I don't like this. Nah, that, that was the only problem. I, it was, so it, really, it was really her reaction. It wasn't even him doing him. because he. Well, he was the one that grabbed up on her. But, but she I'm did saying, kind of play into it. You know what we, I mean? We've given Usher free publicity and promo from his whole Kiki Palmer thing. I think it happened. Oh, so, like, he knows what he's doing from a marketing standpoint to get people. That's what I'm saying. Like, I can't look at it. One to minute, oh yeah, he just nah that he he knew it would be conversation after. Um yeah, yeah, he and he was right. It, it was that whole, really, Kiki, that, that whole Kiki Palmer situation was corny though. She was corny. Um dude is corny. They, they dude do. was corny. That shit all that shit was and corny. Her mama corny. Ain't nobody checking for you, Kiki. Get the fucking skin fixed. Nobody checking for you. Nah, you tweaking Kiki look good, boy. You man, look good. Look at without the makeup on, boy. Come talk to me. She, I, 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 uh, uh -huh. he's fine. You're gonna have to turn them glasses on, my brother. No, nah, man, I got the contacts on, baby. It's 2020 right now. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's get to these. Let's get to these listening letters, man. The audience, they, they, like, man, we ain't trying to yell. We ain't trying to yell. <laughs> All right, so let's get the letters popping, man. We're gonna start it off with Janice. Janice wrote us. I recently celebrated my second anniversary of sobriety. First off, shout out to you, Denise. That's incredible. Sure. That's what's sure. up. Um, after a DUI incident that changed my life forever. I keep having the same issue pop up time and time again, and I'm not sure how to deal with it. If I'm invited to a dinner with a friend or a group, when the bill comes, someone usually suggests splitting it evenly between the number of people there. My issue is that my water and meal options usually comes out to an average of $30, including the tip. Meanwhile, other members of the group order several alcoholic beverages, which in New York isn't cheap. Mm. What's a light way of expressing that I would like to pay only my portion of the bill and not for others to drink? There's a stigma associated with separate checks, and I don't want to seem cheap, but fair is fair. Mm. 
What you think about that, Fred? I think this is a, a great, great topic because I've ran into this problem myself. I think a lot of people have, right? I'm not a proponent of the uh, the separate check thing either. So I think that was fair that Janice brought that point up. I mean, you've been out with me, Jay. And most of the time, I just take the check. I just pick it up. But anyway, uh, not trying to, like, you know, floss. But honestly, it cuts down on that type of stuff. But in this situation, I think it's fair for her to maybe, before she even sits down, tell the server, hey, I don't drink. You know, I think that these people probably order glasses of wine or whatever they're going to do. So out of everybody else, just give me my stuff separate, right? I think that cut nips it in the bud, right, up front. It's the people that wait to the end of the night when everybody's been ordering all this stuff, and then they tell the server, oh, this is going to be separate. Now everybody got to say, oh, I had three of these, and I had – I don't like that. To me, that's just kind of ratchet. Just do it up front. It cuts down on the situation. Nobody's going to hate on you for it because why should you pay for everybody else's drinks when you don't drink? Genuinely. And so you're saying talk to the server. Why can't she talk to – the people that she's going out with and letting them know, you know, I'm not drinking. I'm just going to throw for But they already know that. I mean, they take advantage of the situation. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I feel like the people that you go out with deserve just as much of a, a conversation as the waitress. Because I, I do feel you, Prez. I, I've actually never thought about that, to going to the server beforehand and being like, you know, just so you know, I'm going to have my own thing. Because then at that point, that's still kind of splitting it. You know what I'm like? You are splitting the check. You're just splitting it your way and then everybody else's way. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, but 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 it call it keeps from the confusion down because what if she's trying to keep from having like her friends feel some kind of way, right? Because then if she gets to the dinner and then she's that person to sit there like, well, you know, guys, I'm not drinking. So, you know, you know, you've been there before. I've I've been in situations where I just haven't ordered as much as people neither. And so how do you handle those situations? And they want to split it evenly. Oh, I, I have no problem speaking up. You know that. So <laughs> I, I I I probably have not been invited to some brunches or not been invited to some problems <laughs> because you know it it that doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. And it's not even about me. I'm not being that guy. I'm just not, I'm not going. And so I, I don't think that that's all. If you if you do care about, you know what I'm saying, continuing to be invited, I don't know if that's necessarily the way to go about it, but that, that's how I deal with it. Yeah, y'all, I didn't order this. Y'all spent 20 more dollars than I did. And because I'm good at math, that's what really be fucking it up. I'm going to be able to tell you what the bill is per person before you all pull out your little calculator app to go ahead. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's, Talk to So <laughs> That 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 probably gets on folks. I like I'm I like numbers, so it, I'm literally looking, and I'm think I'm thinking about things of, as I order them. Like not that I'm counting items for my final bill, but I usually have a ballpark range of how much I spent, and I don't think I'm special. I think most people do. They're just trying to get over to the point that you're saying. So exactly, exactly. Better friends, Janice, or you gotta advocate Ooh. yourself, but don't the. Don't get bulldozer because you will get ran over if you continue to let folks with the check what you like that. And don't feel bad for that. And shout out to your sobriety, like Jay said. That can't be easy, you know. And listen, I know a lot of people been to struggle with a lot of various vices. And so shout out to you for being able to move past it. And also to the fact that you could be around people that are drinking and it doesn't even 
make you feel any kind of way. Because sometimes, and I'm not saying you are like this, Janice, but sometimes some people that become sober, they rub that shit in your face. Well, you know, I don't drink anymore. You know, and so it make you feel like, all right, well, damn, what you trying to say? I'm an alcoholic over here? So shout shout out to you for being able to be around people and not like rubbing your nose, rubbing, you know, putting your nose up in the air and all that bullshit. And you know what's really big right now, Prez, are mocktails. So it's like, yes. you want to yes. spend as much money as everybody else, Janice, just start ordering a couple mocktails and shit. I'm sure your total will come out to be everybody else's real quick. I bet Janice asked, like, I'm trying to save money and I'm trying to stay sober. Yeah, I ain't mad at it. You, you heard her say my water and meal comes out to be See? See? <laughs> See, she was just. She also said, "I'm not cheap. It's not okay. If, you, if it's not about, if it's not about the money, and I'm not saying that it is, but if it's not about the money, but the mock sales might be a good move, then Jack. You feel me? If you want to be in the crowd and you want to toast and cheers and all that good stuff, um, might be a way. But let's go. I go, I, I go lie real quick before we go to the next one in Vegas. I wanted to keep myself, you know, level because you know sometimes you want to just maybe." pay attention to what's going on in the room a little bit more than some other people. Mm-hmm. I was legitimately telling the bartender up front, I'm like, hey, I gave him 20 bucks. I'm like, if I ask for a Tito's Rocks, give me water with lime. I was ordering that shit all night. You were damn, you were on business, is what you're saying. Like, yeah. You, yeah, you weren't you weren't fucking around in Vegas. No, That's man. Not until, not until Sunday night. <laughs> respect. Respect, respect. We got Naomi. Naomi, she writes us, I'm 24, and I've been dating a 52-year-old man for over a year now. Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> Because of the difference in our ages, I've been trying to find things for us to do together so our relationship can be more than just sex. I really love him and want it to work. But how do I make it work when he won't meet me halfway? We really don't have any reasons to fight except for his jealous ex-wife. How do I try to keep this relationship? Everything I suggest we do, he turns down. Is it because he deep down doesn't want to be in this relationship or that he doesn't think he will, it will go far? Why won't he show me off? Jay, talk to him. Audience, I wish you could see my face right now. <laughs> Naomi, where's your father? And I say, Whoa, this, talk about it. I say this respectfully, but where's your father? 24 and 52 is an insane. That's wild. That's wild. Age gap. So he might not want to go out in public with you because folks will start assuming that you are his daughter. Or might, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Recognize him and then wonder where his wife is. You write his, what, what, what reasons do you have to fight over his ex-wife? Like where would there ever be an argument unless she is still around in some way or present, you know what I'm saying, our interactions. I don't think that, and then you say, why, oh my God, baby, 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 baby. You said, why <laughs> wouldn't he want to show you off? Um, Cause it's weird. <laughs> it's fucking weird, 52 and 24. Both of y'all got some issues to work through respectfully. I'm not saying this in a judgmental way. I'm just saying that Nobody is naturally looking to date anybody 30 years their senior or 30 years their junior. What do you all have in common? Y'all probably don't want to go and do the same things in general, which is why he turns down everything you want to do. But if you've been fucking for a year and that's what the relationship is, 
why would he what where would he need to establish anything else you know you keeping this relationship may or may not flow you know why he turns everything down and you know that you know he doesn't want to show you off or else he would so i'm sorry shit don't be sorry shit you being honest and that's why she wrote in to us because i got some similar feedback for you first and foremost you know why this man messing with you. So anybody that's sitting here listening, elephant in the room, they're like, oh shit, Perez, you about to tell her what, what it is. He only wants you because you probably look good. Think about it. 52-year-old women, you know, now I know there's some baddies out here. But he living through some sort of sick-ass dream in his head that he's out here with you. Y'all got nothing in common. What do y'all even talk about? I'm sure half the time y'all probably go to dinner and come back and have sex. That's if y'all do that. What's the conversation like? You got nothing in common. You guys probably don't have a similar interest. This is not a normal situation. I think what you should is just enjoy this shit for what it is. And when it runs its course, let it run its course. But this don't have no long-term anything attached to it. There's a 28-year difference here. When this man's 70 years old, are you going to be able to take care of him when his health start declining? Oh, no. That's going to be the time in your life when you probably don't want to be traveling and living your life. See, that's the thing that you got to think about. That's the thing that people have to think about. No one thinks about the future. Everybody's thinking about the here and now. And I don't know, what is this, you doing this because are you trying to get back to somebody in your family? Uh, did you not get the attention that you wanted at certain times? Do you have daddy issues? I don't know. But to me, it's not normal. And if my daughter was dating somebody 50, she'd get her fucking head popped. That shit ain't cool. Not happening. But yeah, Naomi, um, I'm going to pray for you, baby. She needs some prayer. You really do. And I don't pray that often, but I'm going to get down on my knees and pray for you, Naomi. You need some help. And you need somebody to touch you besides that 52-year-old man. Oh, that sounds crazy. Somebody touched. All right. <laughs> Let's go. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> All right, Jay. So the audience, man, they was hitting us up all week about just various things that are going on. And so I said, you know what, Jay? Let's break down some of these top things that are going on in the news right now. The very first thing that I want to talk to you about is comedian David Lucas, Jay. Now, this man got up on stage and had the audacity to tell some George Floyd-related jokes. Now, Jay, I don't want to get on here and over-sensationalize the situation, but in my opinion, I know comedy is comedy, but I still come from the school that certain subject matters should be off limits, and I don't think that we should be out here making jokes about George Floyd. So in your opinion, when you heard his little diatribe, were you rocking with the people that walked out on his show? Like, what was you thinking about this situation? I mean, a joke, a joke is a joke. It was the way he told the joke. Cause he started, he start, it was the room he was in, number one. Yep. It seemed to be more white people than black people. It was. And then the way he told the joke was almost on some. You over here acting like this in front of these white people. I'm a show. They, they showing why George Floyd got 
he kneeled on like that. It, it was the way he told the joke was was fucking. It was it was sick. It was sick, bro. And I don't. I'm not gonna say that. I'm not. I I can't say that any George Floyd joke isn't funny. I wouldn't make a joke directly about George Floyd, but maybe about I, I would. I wouldn't touch that shit away at all, bro. At all. But go ahead. Go ahead. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't kick down niggas at. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Hate for yes. white people like that. It, it, but that's what I'm, a George Floyd joke could be funny. I'm not. I'm not ruling it out. I don't. I can't think of one that's funny. But I'm not yeah. a comedian either. If I heard the right one, I might be like, oh, ha ha ha. But the way that motherfucker told the joke, as he was talking in front of this group of white people who were the ones that was laughing, it was. It was. Which were the only ones that were laughing for the record. It was a minstrel show. Yeah. So, and I've seen, and I think I've shared with you. I've seen him perform. I saw him at Zanies in Rosemont. Similar situation. It was a, it was a sold out show, but it was majority white folks in the room. And guess what? His jokes were. He was placating to the room. Talked about the South Side of Chicago. So I'm sitting here like, bro, you're not even from Chicago. So how do you know to even play into these type of stereotypes? So I feel like his comedy is tailored to white people and playing into tropes. Because everything in the room he talked about was, oh, man, I would go to the south side of Chicago and this and that. And, bro, I sat there and I took only a little bit of, of, of that south side shit because you know how I am, man. You don't go play with the south side. We more than what the fuck people put out here in the streets about us. So I lit him up. And I said, first of all, man, you're not even from here, so how you going to speak on some shit that you don't know about? And he was just like, well, who said that? And he was like, put the light on. They put the light on me. I didn't give a fuck. What you think? I would be scared of you? You ain't going to do nothing. You might have some jokes because that's what you do for a living, but you a joke. And that's what I told him. But I ain't walk out of the show because I did pay $42. You ain't going to get the benefit <laughs> out of me and make me leave no And show, I was going to get every bit of my money's worth. Like yes, talking. sir. But but you going to get these get these jokes because you know what he said. He's going to say, oh, man, but you, you know what I'm saying? But you paid the $42. You know what? He just kept talking about the money aspect of things. And I was hitting him with the truth. Bird, I'll say, did you have you ever gone to the south side of the city? No. Okay. So how you freely talking about some shit you don't know about? Yeah. See, I I pulled back on him on his research. I'm like, you generalizing over here, baby. You just playing into shit. He he started doing all the Trump jokes. So this is the thing, man. A lot of these cats, man, they know what they're doing. They know who their audience is. They know who is gonna pay them. And he's trying to create a path for himself. He's trying to create a lane. He's trying to say, oh, I'm going to be the black person that I'm going to keep black people accountable. Wait, no. You, saw that, same, you saw that same skit. He's talking about some, oh, yeah, he, the $20 bill and, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting here like, bro, well, we have to realize that we have a platform. Somebody reminded me about this recently with this show. They're like, you and Jay, y'all are powerful. You guys have this audience that goes around the world. Your words, they matter. This David Lucas cat, I don't think he realizes that as a black man that's a comedian that has over 300,000 YouTube subscribers, your words matter. And in that situation, you give an ignorant white people the the battery in their back to say, well, this this guy right here, he made a joke about George Floyd, so why should we care that he got nailed off for eight minutes, eight minutes and 46 seconds? 100%. 100%. We got to do better, man. But that's all they're looking for is one black voice. That's so. it. The what was uh, the the Herschel Walker 
of it, if you oh will. Oh, my God. Down there in Georgia, he down there cooning. Down but there cooning with all, his, with all his illegitimate kids. Man. Herschel, Man. come on. Don't get me started. This ain't Herschel, come on now. But yeah, nah, I don't... Uh, First of all, your name can't be Herschel and you out here bucking. <laughs> Country ass strong, name and you out here that's playing. A strong name. Herschel is a strong name, man. That's a strong black name. That's that's, that's that South shit. Yeah. <laughs> but no, so man, with that situation with, with David, I just think that man, bro, it was it was fucked. I didn't like the show that I went to it. I told a bunch of people when I went to that show. I was like, man, this goofy ass dude was over here talking shit about the South Side and playing it to whatever. And you know what, Jay? After I said my shit, I noticed the people around me, they wasn't chuck, chuck, and chucking it up anymore. And probably was like, oh, shit, this motherfucker, he ain't playing. Somebody don't speak on it, who will, man? But the, shout out to those people that was talking to him. You know, I wouldn't walk out, but I'm glad that they called him out on it. Kelly, I might have walked out. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> I know your ass would have walked out, but you would have walked out on some other shit. Nah, but see, that's the thing. I realize that if you go to a show, you're not guaranteed to laugh. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not one of the people that tries to stop themselves from laughing, but some shit does have to actually be funny. But I uh, that that room, it, I would have been uncomfortable, man. Like, because what the what the fuck are you doing? And for who? For them? Uh huh. Cause they're not, you're still not laughing with you. Just because you laugh and you tell the joke does not mean that they're laughing with you. It's at you. No, they definitely was laughing at his ass, and they laughing at us. And I think that's the part that really had me a little pissed off. I mean, bro, in these times, I mean, we saw you asked me about Kansas City, right? I'm down here covering the parade, covering the rally. You got a million people; they all coming together for one thing. It don't matter about race, background, this and that. They all was there for the Chiefs. And it's always something in this country, bro, where we get one person or a couple people that's also wacko shit, and it fucks everything up. And that's what I'm saying. When I'm looking at that comedian, I'm like, bro, you also weird shit. Stop. And then with the Kansas City situation, it's just another reminder, Jay, that we are living in some times, man, where people, man, people ain't right, bro. And it just puts things in perspective. It really does, man. Nah, people, people's heads are fried, fellas, for sure. I know that we've probably always had crime. We've always had shootings. We've always had situations. But these situations now, Jay, are happening on a daily basis, if not multiple times in the same day. And I know the lazy narrative would be like, oh, we got to like lean down on gun control. That's not going to be the solution to these problems. We have overarching issues in this country, and they're all colliding. Yeah, we keep band-aiding. Solutions instead of getting real solutions, and I do think that we're hitting we're hitting overflow points of turmoil when it comes to just people's overall energy. Um, but we are in a we're in a really fucked up place uh, as a as a world. But even if you do just want to get back to the country, we we are very torn on a lot of key issues that are what bring people together. And I I mean, yeah, I, shootings have always happened, but I don't think that the type of shootings where innocent people are the targets have been a thing always. You know what I'm saying? Where you're just, you're shooting into crowds of a million people, like you said, and really not having one person as a, 
as a sure target or as a as a as a reason for the shooting, you know, and that's what's fucking me up is it you folks just don't give a fuck. Like it's really uh it's it's not as much of we were, I was just talking about the whole Michael Jackson and spreading unity and love. It's not it's it's not as much about thinking about the next person. It's really about me, 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 my feelings, my issues, my PTSD, my whatever. Um, so yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's tough. I don't even know how people raise kids in this climate. For real, for real. I, I don't know how you were raised. Like when I grew up, it was always, you know what I'm saying? You got to stand on your shit. So yep. go, your, go fight, go, you know what I'm saying? Get your lip back, go stand up for yourself, whatever the case may be. And I don't, you, you and your brother did that. I, I, re I remember that because you know, the way that our family was, even though it was majority women, hey, it was the same lessons they told me when I was a kid. They're like, I used to get, I go, I'm going to tell this story. When I was in the first grade, man, I was letting these kids run me to home and chasing me home from school and shit like that, man. And I remember my grandma was like, she got tired of seeing me running home. She's like, what you doing again? Running home from school with your kids bothering you? She was like, hit one of them. I'm looking at her, I'm like, for real? And I did. And I picked the biggest one in the group, laid his ass up. Bro, I ain't had no more problems with that school. <laughs> but, you know, it's to that point, though, like, get your lick, man. Don't sit here and take that shit. But, see, nowadays, you can't teach your kid that type of principle because, bro, ain't no telling what would have happened to me in today's time. That kid will probably go home and take their parents' gun and come back to school and shoot me the next day. These are some different times. How do you navigate that as a parent? Shit. I don't plan on having no kids no time soon to figure it out. So I hope all you parents out there are doing your due diligence to figure it out because those are the you ones should still be enjoy, You should still be enjoying your life over there, brother. You still enjoy your life. Don't be getting locked down. Fucked up. Go see some, go see some blue seas. For real. I'm trying to get on, <laughs> bro. Trying to get over to the UK. See, there you go. All that other stuff is just slows people down, man. I've been seeing these cats nowadays, 22, 23 graduate, getting married. I'm like, what the hell do y'all know that I didn't know at 23? Uh, shit, even 30 getting married be crazy to me, man. But at least <laughs> you got a whole lot of living to do. Come on, do that shit. I think the problem is that we get off into, off into topics, but it's okay, though, because that's what we do here. I think the problem with that is that people start listening to family. Keep getting into your head about stuff. And I learned a long time ago, Jay. <laughs> you know this about me. I stopped listening to a lot of motherfuckers, man, because I'm like, man, why won't I take advice from a motherfucker that, uh, that ain't doing the shit I'm doing? Okay. What you know about it? <laughs> and, I, and I know that probably come off hella fucking cocky, but it's real. The hell I look like listening to you? What you doing with your life? No, it's not even cocky. It's just realistic. Who would you listen to when trying to tell you how to get to where it is you're going? Somebody that's done it or somebody that hasn't? If you don't have anybody that's done it, then you really do just got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude, like growing up, man, I, I was having all these people telling me, oh, you should do this. You should do that. And, you know, I would humor them and listen and stuff like that. But I'm like, man, my head's clouded with all this advice. All this advice from people, everybody knows best, right? But I'm like thinking like, man, this person didn't even go to college, which is not even all about that. I'm like, this person didn't go to college. 
this person right here didn't even take care of their kid. They try to tell a kid what they should be doing with their life, but you didn't even help your kid get and like and this is me being petty a little bit, but it's like you start sifting through it. I'm like, man, you know what? I ain't listening to none of y'all. If I'm gonna make a mistake, I'm gonna make a mistake and I'll figure this shit out. And that's really what happened with me. <laughs> I just did a whole bunch of trial by error shit. And learn. And learn. So I guess that might be the solution for these parents out here, Jay. <laughs> you know? Fucking figure that shit out as you go along. I think that's what be going on. It's just as you figure it out, you're doing so at the maturation of your kid. So it's like you're either fucking them up or you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like it's it, yeah, and also there's a cost to that shit too. You know, I agree with that part. Unscathed, but to I mean, shit. What else can you do? There is no perfect parent. There's no perfect situation um so i think yeah these are my quiet thoughts audience and, and listen and my not so quiet was getting ready to come out this next comment i i feel like in the way that i was raised with my mom there was a lot of things about my mother that i thought she could have done differently in the way that i was raised the way that my brother was raised but again you're trying to take a 15 foot viewpoint into what another motherfucker <laughs> did right to navigate their life yeah. While also trying to raise you. So everybody's not built the same. You know, so one side of it. You live on the side of being raised by that person. You don't see shit that they have to do for their own health, yeah. wellness, their own life. Or even what they were going through, right? Because this is the thing with my mom, and I'm she'll be okay with me sharing this on here. Well, maybe she will. But she had her own trauma that she had to deal with, right? And she didn't have anybody that she could bring that shit to. And my mom's always been the quiet person. Don't really rattle the, you know, say people, keeps herself. But see, that's the problem because when you're the type of person to just hold shit in and just hold shit in, man, you're just like sinking yourself. And that's one of the things that I always worry about with my OG is like, man, like, you need to let some of that shit out. You need to talk to somebody. <laughs> Nobody has to just sit here and fight all these wars by themselves. Nobody can. Nobody should, right? It'll eventually erode you, right? You because the energy's not going anywhere. It's being stored. All energy has to be released some way or another. So it's like if it's not going anywhere and, and it's not being shared with anything, it has to be eating up. It's, it's and just that's and see, that's my point. See, you got to. I didn't even have to say the shit. So, moms, I didn't say it. Yeah, auntie, it was me. I, <laughs> hey, he loves you. you know, that's, that, 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 that's the thing, though. It's like, man, like there's so many people out here, not just my mom's situation, but there's so many people out here, Jay, but we're talking about the world and everything that's going on. There's a lot of people right now that are torn up mentally just not doing well. It, it's so much. I, it's that. I don't think people know how to react to certain things. Like people, I don't think people know what fun is. You know what I'm saying? I don't think people know. We are the way our sensory orientation to things is being like cut down, watered down through all the. Right. We taking a lot of content. You know what I'm saying? On we taking a lot of shit just in general, and and I think that's part of what you were talking about earlier about just. Yeah, like it's not necessarily like they're happening more now, but we we have to take it in way more now than we ever have before. That's exactly um, my point. Yep, 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 yep. See, you was feeling me. Hope the audience was. So it's like 
the blank stares really is. It's like they need the little, they need the little clap sign that they have in the audience. You know what I'm saying? Just for people to know, oh, like yeah, the applause. <laughs> yeah, man. People just don't know any better. That's just crazy, bro. No, that's crazy. Speaking, of, speaking of somebody that don't any better, Monique, talk to him. And, and before you say something about that, Shannon Sharp's show is, is becoming a place like Cat Williams predicted where people will come to tell the truth, huh? I guess, man. Why don't you start us off with this, Fred? I want to hear what you got to say first before I... Of course you want me to kick it off first. <laughs> so I would say this, man. When it comes to Monique, I haven't always been the biggest fan of hers. That Precious movie I thought was a little disgusting. But anyway, I'm not going to dispute her. But... Uh, I think in this situation, I've always had a problem with a couple of these gatekeepers that we've talked about in the past on the show, whether it's a Kevin Hart, whether it's a Tyler Perry, whether it's a Lee Daniels. And when Monique went on Shannon's show, I respected the fact that she went on there and she called shit out. She talked about Oprah. See, Black people don't want to talk about Oprah. They're afraid to talk about Oprah. Oprah was aligned with Harvey Weinstein. Y'all need to speak up about that shit. Let's mm -hmm. stop hiding around that shit. I ain't gonna lie. We conveniently give her out for that. But anybody else that's associated with somebody that's done bad, we 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 throw them under the bus. Or this or that. And it's and it's like, why do black people love Oprah the way they do? I don't get it. it it's really off of her money. It, it, I, and I'm not saying that we we hold her to a high presence because we think we're gonna have some of her money, but we hold her to a high presence because she has a lot of money. And that doesn't, that's never made sense to me. Like, even when she was giving away, you'll get a car, you'll get a, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that Oprah, it was still about the tangible. It was about the things. It wasn't about, like, what has Oprah ever done for Black people? I can't recall too many things. I know she's had some scholarships that she's done for some, from some schools. I know she's done... You know, charitable donations. Uh, she took care of uh, Statman. I mean, she's done some things for black people, but isn't Statman white? I think he's mixed. Okay. Well, he got his own room. Statman over there living a life. Yeah. But Statman living a life. Any, ladies, audience, any Oprahs out there looking for a Statman? Hit my line. I, <laughs> I think nice. I don't bite too much, you know what I'm saying? I'll still, <laughs> I put on a suit and tie when company come over. Keep me well fed and paid. Shit. <laughs> but, and, 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 they, and they can have a Gil King on your watch, right? Oh. Uh, what? Yeah. What'd I say? what I say? Yeah. I can't I really Oprah either, though. Like, Oprah, um, Oprah. Oprah is interesting, you know, because she has a Chicago presence because of her show and she was here for so many years she's she's interesting man she's she's played a hell of a game i'm not gonna lie to you just sitting back and looking at because even how she is now how she's been able to kind of move away from the limelight you know what i'm right. saying and kind of play the backseat for a lot of things it, it allows her to play this black hand role which is clearly what monique was talking about with her um wanting to you know it was crazy to me press I didn't know Oprah was behind Precious until this interview. And it makes sure sure. Oprah gets behind things that are I'm not going to say detrimental, but that paint black women in like a very um, 
bleak and meek light. You know what I'm saying? Like the color purple is a is a crazy fucking movie, man. And I haven't seen the re-release, but yeah, I don't know. I think I think um overhead. I don't know. I mean, I'm not gonna say she hates black men, but I think Oprah has Well, she kind of comes off like she do. She but you know. It's okay. I mean, remember, remember when Kobe passed and Gail King was out here interviewing Lisa Leslie, couldn't wait to bring up Kobe's rape charges yeah. against him. And I'm like, damn, the man died. Why are we talking about that? You had years to talk about that shit, but now we pick when he dies to talk about it. It's weird, man. It's weird. It, and especially for black people that get into these rooms where they are the representation and they hate that. I was I was in this program over um the summer. It's a it's an MBA placement program. So like they they help black and brown kids get into like some of the top MBA programs um for you know, I I'd say I guess between like 28 and 33, 34, around there. And this one girl, she she went to Yale for her undergrad and forget who she was working with, but it, she was working with one of the big four accounting firms. And we're having our little wrap-up session. We were we were at Duke this weekend because the, the program had like different little um, meetings or seminars for us to go to. And the girl stood up and she was like, you know, Normally, I don't like being identified as a black woman, but you all make it made me feel so proud to be one this weekend, blah, 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 blah. But like there was so much self-hate in the in the first sentence she had. Yeah. And I think it comes a lot from being in places where you are either led to feel as if you don't belong. So, you know. People make the little snide remarks like, oh, yeah, they had a quota to fulfill this yeah. year or, or, oh, you know, it's easier for affirmative action recipients or whatever the case may be. You know what I'm yeah. saying? To blah, 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 blah. To the point where, you know, you question whether you are good enough. You know what I'm saying? You have this sort of imposter syndrome where you, you don't know if your work really did get you there, if it was your merit or if it was your race so that you want to be anything but identified as your race you want to be identified so like I don't think that she meant it to come off the way she did I think she was being very transparent and honest in her feelings but there is still a lot of self-hate in spaces like that and I and I I question and wonder if black people that we hold to such high regard the Oprah's the Tyler Perry's the Kevin Hart's feel that way in these being being you know what I'm saying, so high up in their profession, being so sought after in the things that they do. But are they really being sought after or are people just looking for the next Black something? I think it's so funny, Prez, that Tyler Perry's jumped through all of these hoops. He's done all of this shit to have his own production company, to come out with all these movies, you know what I'm saying? Ooh, ooh, ooh. That he still takes these subordinate ass roles. Now, don't get me wrong, it's because the motherfucker can't act. I get that right. much. That's right, but that's right. He's still looking for a bit of acceptance from white Hollywood because he'll still take, you know what I'm saying? The he he was in that one movie, um, as the world ends, or I'm not saying the title right, but the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio that came out on Netflix. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, he had like a little side role. He had a side ass piece of a part, man. And it's like, bro, you are a billion dollar name. Like, 
what the fuck are you doing? But it's because he still wants that bit of approval and acceptance. He was telling Monique, yeah, you know, when you get the Oscars, you automatically get to raise your um your rate that you're requesting from people. And she's like, yeah, that sounds good. Maybe for anybody else, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> hey, my money not guaranteed, man. Like I felt her on that for real, for real. So so Jay, you you man, you you hit on a lot of shit there. And I want to make sure the audience, man, just really, really honed in on a couple key pieces of that discussion. The first piece, when you brought up that young lady with the self-hatred. The problem is there's a lot of us to walk around that way, and that's why it's easy for comedians like David Lucas to do what he did on that damn show. That's self-hate. I've had it where when I graduated from college, when I entered the business world, the first thing people thought was, oh, when they find out you're on a scholarship, oh, was it like a was it like a inner city thing? And I'm like, no, it was a <laughs> university thing, you know, just like everybody else applied for. But you constantly, I feel like as a black person, you have to reiterate your stripes are the same as everybody else's stripes because people try to minimize your accomplishments and your achievements. They try to write it off as somebody gave you something that sort of you earned it just like everybody else. But we don't talk about the fact that white people have the generational wealth that they have. And most of the time they have uncles, aunts, fathers, grandparents that have been the CEO of all these businesses. And they pass the shit down to them or they pass the wealth down. No one talks about that. But God forbid a black person gets a scholarship to change their life for the better. That's a problem. See, that type of shit always bothers me because it's such a contradiction, Jay. It's okay for them that they make their money off the sweat of black people. That's where all that money came from. Generational wealth came from the backs of slavery. Nobody wants to talk about that. And if you guys don't agree with me, look it up. Early days, that's where all the money came from, either slavery or booze. You brought up a lot there, and I was sitting here, and I was like, getting my thoughts together. I was like, damn, Jay hit it. He killing that shit right now, because that shit right there, it just really bothers me. So when Monique was speaking, and when I think about these gatekeepers, it's self-hate, Jay, because why do we give our own so much problems when our own wants to build with us and wants to come up with us? But we are so easy to align with some other people. Why is that? Because people, it's, it's a haze. It's the haze of life. People feel like they have to put you through the same things that they went through. And that's the only way that there's real balance to the world. That's the only way that, you know what I'm saying, it'll it'll make the bullshit that they had to go through worthwhile is now that they, they stand in the place to be able to do it to somebody else. And who we choose to be these gatekeepers is always interesting as well, because it's usually people that will pass on an agenda or a message that the overall, what, who, the powers that be, whoever the fuck you want to call them, you know what I'm saying? But want to be, to be passed on and spread. And we have a real, our, our, our culture is so polarizing. It's so just intoxicating that when people do get a, a glimpse of it or when they are immersed in it, they, they really feel it. You know what I'm saying? And I think that you don't get people like the Oprah's or the Tyler Perry's or the Kevin Hart's or the Steve Harvey's in these arenas or in these positions of power without them knowing that there's a certain, I don't want to say message, 
but there's a certain qualifier that comes to that amount of quote-unquote power. And I think that's kind of what Cat Williams was touching on in his interview with Shannon Sharp, which is that the people that you see in these positions, they, they had to do something. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nothing really free out here. And they weren't giving things away for integrity. They weren't giving things away for people standing on their their beliefs or the things that they said. And even just the whole, that that inter I, the interaction Monique described with Kevin Hart was so funny because I, I went to an industry kind of school, man. I went to a school where a lot of people end up in the entertainment industry and mm -hmm. it, that interaction just reminded me of some shit that I've seen in school where, you know, the person brushes you off. Oh, I would never. Ooh, ooh. And then whole time you hear that there's a whole different narrative being spun. You know, I didn't necessarily agree with everything that month. I think her, her, her talking about wanting the right to wanting the wrong to be right in how Tyler Perry lied on her and caused her to be blackballed in the entertainment industry. I don't think she's wrong for saying that that did happen. I just don't know what she genuinely expects. Like that man is not about to break you off a check for your perceived royalty value of what you could have done when you were in like your, your the, the height of your career. He, he straight up lied. And that's that's crazy in and of itself. You know what I'm saying? And then she didn't have anybody coming to her defense. And so black women, I, I understand. I understand that being a huge problem that not only Monique goes through. And so the, the whole situation is very, it's unfortunate. You know what I'm saying? But she, I, we as black people are, we are so fucked up. It's so hard to come together because somebody always does want to be the white man in the situation. When I say the white man, I just mean the person that is the overseer, the person that's in power, the person that has the strings to pull or whatever. And they want leverageable, you know what I'm saying, power. I don't, it, it, we're not as communal as we once were. And I don't think that the whole, you know, brother, sister, like, yeah. My brothers are my brothers, but all skin folk ain't kin folk. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I we 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 don't even operate in that same sphere of community that we once did as a people. And so I don't think there's any real expectation for in her 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 wrongs to be righted and to say and, it. You know what that would take? I don't think it would even need to be a check, Jay. It would need to be Tyler Perry apologizing to that woman. Because he did nothing. At the time, all he did was say, oh, I never blackballed her. I never said this. I never said that. But did you say anything about the, the contrary to the rumors that were out there against her? Some people said you said that she was hard to work with. Did you put any statement out and say, actually, you know what? She's not hard to work with. Could you imagine a guy, Tyler Perry's ilk, speaking up on behalf of her, what they would have probably done for her? It would have done, done omens for her career. Kevin Hart, the thing that you brought up with him, how he basically fake played her. So many of us probably know people in our everyday lives. It don't even got to be nothing to do with fame. But somebody tells you, oh, I got you. Oh, you know you my, you know you my peoples. But then behind closed doors, they're killing you behind your back. That's what he did to her. But we shouldn't be surprised. So many people keep telling you to say stuff about Kevin Hart that y'all don't want to believe. After a while, it ain't just people hate. <laughs> sometimes you're like it might be some truth and multiple people keep saying the same stuff about the same guy 
How about want to start paying attention to it? You talked about the fact that how we're not communal anymore like we used to be. That's pretty much been our biggest issue in this culture. And we continue to keep allowing people to strip away at our culture because there's people profiting off of our culture more than we are. They market to us. They get our money. But we don't take the jewel that we have and cultivate that jewel and we make money off of it. We allow other people to continue to come into our communities, come into our neighborhoods and take, take, take. They give us nothing. See, a lot of that, Jay, is on us because we're allowing that shit to happen. So when Monique is speaking to these things, all I'm thinking of in my head is we got people down at, this, at the head of these tables and they're continuing to allow this bullshit to happen to us. So it's us. They're, they're spearheading the bullshit. It's not even allowed. Because you, Lee Day, I've heard a few things about Lee Daniels. Like he ran off with some money on Dane that Dane was yep. supposed to be financing the movie for. And it'd be, oh man, I'm not even. It. <clears throat> well, there's not enough outside culture anymore. There's not enough. You gotta. You got to be accountable for what you say and for what you do because you're going to run into the person and who knows what happens when you run into the person. It's very, we live in a very public opinion kind of state. And I, we've talked about this before on the pod, but I, it's very, it's, it's important in today's world who controls the narrative and who gets to the story first to control the narrative. Because that is what tilts public opinion and then public opinion is what tilts overall action for the most part. Um, but we need to start whooping niggas' asses again, man. That's really the problem. And well, we took that away. Across, across Chicago, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to my cousin Hans. He over here, he has a whole platform where He's just bringing, he's bringing folks together to fight, to box, to really box. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you got an issue, put the guns down, come get busy like we used to. And I respect that. Um, I think that's really what the world is missing a lot of today. Well, see, the, the problem is that the there's some that will take part in that, but you got the others, man, they don't want to fight. They're cowards. <laughs> they much rather, it's so easy to pick up that hammer. You know, and, and I think that's part of the problem. That's the cultural thing. We lost that, man. When, when, when our, the people that came before us, not just our grandmother, but anybody that listens to this show, man, you think about your grandparents and how they were the ones that imparted all that wisdom. They basically was the soul of the family, how they passed those jewels down. Over time, I don't know where it happened, Jay, but over time, I think in our community, there was a disconnect. Shit started getting recorded. People started getting embarrassed. It wasn't just about fighting and you took your L. It was about fighting and then it ended up going viral. So it's, it's 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 not as it's not as contained as it used to be. And I think that people just aren't willing to be embarrassed. And people care more about their online presence than they do their actual like real life. Real, yeah. So you know, you could really end somebody's whole shit by posting that shit, and I think it makes or it leads to people doing desperate things that don't make them, but it leads to it. And what did I talk about? Me getting chased home, but what what Grant tell me to do? You better go. You better go figure that out. She's like, you mm -hmm. want to be doing that for the rest of your your, your life? Literally, what you go? Do you go rub home every day? 
Right. And that was the best advice I could have gotten because I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. It don't take much. I'm like, all right, say less. All I'm thinking about that night, I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I'm, th- I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, all right, who, who, who gonna get it? Who gonna catch the head? I right, bet. Got this. And I did that shit too. And it was a bunch of people watching. I'm like, yeah, I want people to see this shit. And I think that's how everybody moves today, man. I want people to see this shit. That's yeah, just... but you know what? In that moment, it was okay. But I feel like now, though, when this shit's happening, like with the Kansas City shooting. When I'm hearing details about it, it's a dispute that was happening, and some weirdo takes out a gun, and the girl's telling him, "Don't pull the gun out. This ain't that's is that's lame. That's corny." And then instead of him going after the person who he's having a dispute with, he just starts spraying his gun in a circle into a crowd. Like, what the hell do these random people got to do with your dispute with some other motherfucker? They laughed. It's crazy, man. And that's one of those situations where we were talking about with the parenting, and I'm like, damn. It's one of those things where I'm always like, man, it starts at home. But man, some of these kids, man, I'm just like, like you said, ass whooping, yeah, that's part of it. But I just don't know how do you stop something like that? You know, a 16 year old kid that goes to an event like that and thinks that it just has no concept for other people. He was 16. Yeah. Yeah. She's wild, man. Kids not living in reality, man. No, I don't know. What not this like, shit ain't Grand Theft Auto, man. That's how motherfuckers is living. Jeez, man. Speaking of which, I wonder when that shit's coming out. I've been waiting on that damn game for two years now. It's this year. It's this November. Oh, shit. I hope. I hope they don't push it back. I want to say it's this November. But maybe that was just a sneak. I don't know. I don't know, audience, but if that if, if Jay is right, that game comes out in November. That's what we taking our break for the two weeks for the pod, because uh, that's why I'll be. I never really was big in the Grand Theft Auto. I don't but it oh. is it's fun. That's a good time. But hell yeah, boy, hell yeah, that's, that's my shit. That's my shit. I don't think because when you used to come over to the crib, man, we just mostly just beat on the hoop games and shit. But yeah, man, I used to rock out at GTA. Or, or man, not with that ass man too. Don't forget that. Oh, come on now. You yeah, you can still come down. You can still come down now. You know, you got one now. Don't, don't get crazy, Jay. You got one. Space and opportunity, cousin. Nothing but space and opportunity. Okay. I hear you talking. And, and I don't even I ain't had a system in years. And that ain't okay. no, you know what I'm saying. I'm just saying it my skill set is still where it was. You know? Okay, well, we'll see. Now, I, I got the I got the PlayStation 5. I have never even played it. Now, I've talked about that on the show before. People like you crazy. You still haven't touched it? Still haven't played it. Oh, yeah, it's perfect, man. We, we both have So, it. yeah, so we both be on the same level. So, all right, cool. So, you can take that first L on PlayStation 5. So, I got you. Don't even trip. Don't even trip. So, audience, before we get out of here, as Jay mentioned in the open, we wanted to talk through overcoming the poverty mindset. Now, we've probably kind of chipped away at some of it <laughs> through the course of this conversation. But uh, the reason why I wanted to chat about this with the audience is because in the past, we would kind of talk through some of these things, but we would come at it from the, the viewpoints of guys in their 40s. Well, I got Jay on the show now, right? So he could come at this from a different standpoint that might have some ideas and tools for some of the younger people in the audience that's listening that probably could have relate to maybe some of the things that Jules and I presented. So, Jay, for me, I do a lot of work in the inner city, whether it's trying to help kids break into the media space, whether it's trying to help some kids to keep from keeping themselves from being put back into the system. At the core of this, it's about mindset. A lot of times people's mindset, 
gets in the way of them progressing. And the number one thing that I hear from people when I'm working with them, whether there's kids in the system or whether there's even these kids that want to get into the media space, is the I can't. The biggest thing that I always say to people is take those two words out of your fucking vocabulary. Anybody that knows me, if they say anything to me about how they can't do something, I shut down on their ass. I don't believe in that shit. I have an irrational confidence that there's nothing that I can't do. Now, does that mean that everything that I do is successful? No. But it is, I'm not going to stop trying. And I think that a lot of times people are their worst enemies, Jay, because they won't even allow themselves the opportunity to have success. It starts in the mind for sure. It, it, it starts with mentality. And you saying that they don't allow themselves the opportunity is the same. That's the a different side of the same coin because if your mental is not in a space where you can receive, then you, you'll never be able to be open to the things that are coming towards you. I think that even those that aren't, you know what I'm saying, in poverty have or struggle with the mindset necessary for success. You know what I'm saying? And it really, I think it really just comes down to finding something worth living for. And I say that simplistically because it, it baseline is that simple. It's not easy, but it baseline is that simple. I think a lot of people get stuck in this feeling of being a micro in the macro of just how big the world is. You know what I'm saying? And feeling as if like their voice doesn't matter, their opinion doesn't matter, their actions don't matter. And I think it's a few things. I think finding something worth living for is finding something worth living for, for you. Like, I don't mean, you know what I'm saying? Go have a kid so that that gives you purpose or no bullshit like that. Cause that, that I mean, that's such an unfair setup to a kid, but more so what is that little thing that you bring to the world or what is that little thing that you love doing? Or what is that little thing that you want to get better at? And then using that as your guiding compass toward action and toward, you know what I'm saying, working backwards for figuring out solution-wise what it is you want out of your time here. Because nothing's promised, nothing's guaranteed. I think I think a lot of young niggas get stuck in the pace of feeling uncared for or just, you know what I'm saying, nobody, nobody wants me, nobody cares about me, so I'm going to crash out, I'm going to do whatever. And not realizing that, like, you're given the opportunity to live life. You know what I'm like? You literally were one of 2 million sperm cells that got through type shit. Like the odds for you being here is already insanely small and you still were able to push through. You were like, you have real meaning to be here. And it's about people taking the time to figure out what that meaning is. I don't think everybody's meaning is so grandiose that, you know what I'm saying? It's supposed to, to change the world. Some people are on earth to make other people's journey easier so that person can do something even greater. And when you do that, you've served out your purpose. But yeah, Prez, I think mentality mindset really starts with figuring out and finding something to clinch on to that is a positive for you being just in general, just being. And 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 once you start there, you know what I'm saying? You can you can filter out what is important, what isn't important, what needs to be done, what doesn't need to be done.
and move forward with your life. But I think a lot of people are stuck in just having that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not worthy. I'm not, I'm, I'm not supposed to, I'm, I'm not shit. I'm not supposed to be here. Who out the band? And it's just like, I mean, even the most ain't shit sh got something going on. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody has something that is worth pushing forward. Yeah. And I think too, to piggyback off of the last point you made, I think a lot of that, it often comes from people's past experiences or even like society and, and some of the narratives that are out there. Right. So a lot of the things that people will say typically that I've run across is, Oh, I, I could never go to this place because I can't afford it. No one in my family's ever gone to college. Nobody in my family's ever done this. I can't do this. I can't. But see, a lot of what you were saying there, Jay, is that it just shows that a lot of people don't take the time to sit down and even just like write out goals. Yeah. Try to figure out ways of how you can knock down barriers that you see, right? Because sometimes some of these barriers that are there aren't really true barriers. I want y'all to listen to what I'm saying there. Sometimes that shit is something that you put there. I promise you that just because you came from a background that didn't have a lot of money and this and that, that don't mean that you can't be out here in this world in the real way. I went to grammar school with four Nigerian kids that came here from, with their mom like, what, 19? I wonder what year it was. Maybe 1991. They came from Nigeria Lived in Robert Taylor homes, wore the same clothes in school, that whole bullshit. The point of me telling that story is that people thought, oh man, they were so poor. They were this and that. They 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 from Nigeria. Every single one of those kids now is balling out of control. They came from nothing. One of them created a clothing uh, platform. Another one got into coding. Another one got into finance. The, the thing is, is that a lot of times people <laughs> they don't take the time to push their limits. Yeah. That's the thing, Jay. Sometimes you got to just sit here. You can't just keep going with the flow or going with the norm. Sometimes you got to step outside of like the stuff that people in your circle are into. When I got into the media space, Jay, how many people that I was rocking with was doing what I'm doing now? Everybody was doing that same corporate bullshit, work here at this company, move to this company, bounce around, chasing bonuses and this and that. But at the, at the end of the day, we was all doing the same shit, reporting to somebody, somebody telling us what the fuck to do. Time out for that bullshit, man. I'm trying to build my own shit, and I want to put other people off. And I want, ideally, for other people, in 10 years from now, five years from now, you take the blueprint of what I instilled in you, you go out and fucking put together your own platform and put other people off. That, to me, has nothing to do with the way that I was brought up, has nothing to do about what little money we had growing up, because that shit don't matter at the end of the day. Because talent always rises to the top. Creativity always rises to the top. Like Jay said, you can have the grimiest, cruddiest motherfucker in the world, but if they have the right opportunity at the right time, watch them pass you up. And it's always those people, Jay, that are scared to make moves, that hoard money, like money's never going to fucking be able to be obtained anymore, because that was the type of mindset that I was raised around. My grandmother didn't invest. She just put money in the bank and just thought, oh, I'll be cool. That was that old school mentality. That shit doesn't play nowadays. If you don't have multiple revenue streams working for you right now, you won't make it. The people that's out here winning have multiple revenue streams. They're making money while they're fucking sleeping. 
the real ones understand what I mean by that. It's funny that you bring up Grand not investing though, because we gotta also give Grand lived through the Great Depression. Grand lived through actually watching the stock market plummet. You know what I'm saying? Like right. the things that we trust, I, I mean, just looking back on it, you know what I'm saying? People, that was the American dream. Like it was the security of just being able to have your home and have your family and to be left alone. And now we're so much more risk adverse, but we also haven't really, even the housing plummet of 08, it was rebounded so quickly. It was, we were bailed out. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't anything that people really felt. I, I, I'm sorry, that, it, that didn't even have anything to do with what we were talking about. But it, when you said that, that was the first, I was like, Graham was probably scared of the stock market the whole time. Like, but I, I would challenge you on something. Yeah, that we were bailed out by the housing market, but we went through a recession. Now, I, didn't, I wasn't affected by the recession. I'm not going to sit here and flex on that, but I worked in a career and in a job that my industry wasn't affected, meaning I didn't feel it. But there were a lot of people out here that did feel that. But the point I'm trying to say is, even still, through those type of situations, we went through a whole pandemic. We've had some things that we've had to go through as well. Now we have this baby inflation coming through where everything in this world is expensive now. I mean, everything. I won't get into all that. But I went to buy some eggs the other day and I almost had a heart attack. Huh, damn near $5. Bruh. I'm like, what's in these fucking eggs? The, the, the Great Depression, because you know what I'm saying? Like, even with what you're talking about, We've never felt anything like the Great Depression. No, but there's levels, levels to it. I get you. I get you. We were given money during the pandemic. Like in the recession, I was young, so I can't speak on it as somebody that's like have had to live through the pandemic or I'm living through like, you know what I'm saying, the current job market. But the the recession, to your point, I feel like a lot of industries weren't really hit. And the industry that had the most to lose or the most risk in the finance industry, when it came to the Lehman Brothers, when it came to the fucking, who was another? I think City was a player. Then there were a couple of players that are still here today. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of the big those big subsidiaries. They went down. Goldman and had some issues. Yep. Goldman, but oh, and I'm, but and they went down and came right back up. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't. It it was propagated, but I do I I feel you. I do feel you on investing in general and just the mentality now being different. I just think that it's probably a reason we we we've just lived through different times. We've felt different things, and we've seen. You, you know what I'm saying? You you you're a, a '80s baby. You know what I mean? You've seen when America was going through its wealth craze and how money changed and everything like that. I just feel like perspective is just different, bro. Yeah, but I also seen it from the standpoint of like being around people that didn't make waves when everybody else was making waves, right? So my my line of thinking really was impacted by being 21 years old and being thrown into working at the Chicago Board of Trade and being at the options exchange and seeing how the world was, in my, in my opinion, damn, this is the way people really live. I had never seen that shit, right? And so for me, that shit changed my life, bro. It changed my approach to things, how I look at things, how I view money. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like growing up, I had that type of mentality where I thought, oh, man, it's hard. And this is so expensive that I'll never be able to attain this because it's going to be X, Y, Z. And then you get into an environment, Jay, where it's like, uh, 
maybe I had this wrong. Because <laughs> this shit's coming to me now. It's just different. That, I think that's everything that has to do with mindset for what we were just talking about. It's being, being able to see it is really important. I think a lot of things are impossible to people because they've just never seen it done before. Right. And all it, really, all it really takes is one. And it's not that it's not being done. It's just that people haven't seen it done. And I think that's part of the benefit of the like the world we live in now is you get, even if it's just a glimpse, I think people run away, run with it too much, but you get a glimpse into the infinite possibilities that there are out here because people are showcasing them so much. But But being able to see it will do everything for what you believe. And as I've said many times before, Jay, I think also people need to embrace failures. Um, I know a lot of times people, when they when they are trying to build something, when they're trying to do something, and they get a couple of actual roadblocks their way, they fold, they pack up, and they you know scurry off. Those are learning opportunities, man. Because through those, and I, and I say this all the time, but through those failures, those are opportunities for you to repackage that and say, you know what, maybe it wasn't what I was doing. Maybe it was just the business plan that I put together it was trash, right? It's always different things that you can take from that and say, you know what, I wasn't prepared. I had no plan of attack. I wasn't ready. So don't be discouraged by experiences. And that's the biggest thing that I get when I'm out speaking to people, Jay, is people will come up to you and they'll say, well, how did you do this? How did you get to this point? And it's no magic formula. The big thing, like what you just said a second ago, is Jay is just that a lot of times people just don't believe because they don't see it. They haven't seen it. They feel like it's not it's something that's not possible of obtaining. And I feel like, man, I, that it hurts me to, to know that there's people that look like me that are coming up and they're counting themselves out before they even have a chance to even get into the game. Yeah. It's sad. It is sad. And also, there's a lot of sharks out here, man. So if you're not ready to swim, make it the yeah. fuck out. And, and talk about that part. And they're out here waiting for you and waiting for your young, uh, <laughs> inexperienced rookie ass to make mistakes so they yeah. can pounce. And that's the only thing that'll make you one is to go through the L's to learn from it. Because that's the only that's the only real lesson you get is firsthand experience. Like. I get really frustrated with the old heads in the world, not not talking about <laughs> that always want to tell a story to try to get you to dissuade or to, you know what I'm saying, to alter experience. Like the only way a person is really going to learn is if they experience themselves, experience it themselves. And I don't think all lessons are worth learning. I'm not saying They're go not. They're you not. know. But, what, uh, what did I say? What did I say earlier in the show? I did not listen to the advice because I was looking at the the recipient or the sender of said advice. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to fucking figure this out for myself. And, like, I, and learn some hard lessons, I'm sure. Yep. But, you know, I'm better off for it, bro. Better off for it. And I learned how to package my advice so that the recipient of said advice is looking at me sideways. They also know that it's not coming from a place of hate. And it's coming from a place of like, look, man, you do whatever you're going to do at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, but this is what I see. Jay, you and I have had many conversations. You come to me for stuff. I never tell somebody what they should do 
I always preface it by what I've seen, what I've gone through, and let them fucking take it from there. That is true. That is that is how you give advice for sure. Because I can't tell you how to rock. That is valid. But yeah, man, like with this whole situation here, though, man, I just implore people, man, this, this is 2024. You know, and there's so many people I know, Jay, that will tell me or continue to tell me, man, you know, I, I want to do this or, you know, man, I want to get into crypto. I, I, I want to, you know, get an investment property. It's, it's all these things that people are realizing that it's opportunities to get money out here, but they have no idea <laughs> how to even get into the game, right? And then they don't even attempt to. Educate yourself. Educate yourself about money. This is the thing, man. Growing up, I didn't understand money. I didn't understand all the things that money could do. I didn't understand how people can use and leverage debt to their advantage. I didn't understand any of that shit. But when you get that growth mindset, all those things are things that you learn and you manipulate those things to your advantage. But people don't know what they don't know. And I, and I think that's the biggest thing that I see. And it's all on purpose, man. Everything's meant to literally be a gatekeep. Because once you figure out how simple it is, anybody can do it. Nobody's really that special that the things they're doing is just, oh my God, like, it's just, it's information. Yeah, we say it all the time. When you sit here, you see somebody that had a concept and they blew up. They're not more special than you. That person, right opportunity, right time, and they went with it. And that could be you. Go on and hit up with that curtain call, Jay. This curtain call goes out to Amelia Umsteder. Amelia is 11 years old, and she saved her father's life in November. She noticed her father had started choking and fell down, injuring himself. This prompted Amelia to spring into action, and without hesitation, she performed CPR on her father to revive him and immediately called 911. Emergency personnel lauded Amelia's action in the midst of an extreme crisis. Shout out to you, Amelia. Way to be a true hero. AJ, thanks for that curtain call. Audience, as always, we appreciate the continued support of the platform. Without you, we wouldn't be. We're the Pull Them Back the Curtain podcast. Thanks for listening.